everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. We're come rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazor. And today, welcome to the first, technically, I guess, weekly recap of our old system, which we had during football season, which is the, I guess we haven't done the recap episode for football yet. That's Mondays. Then the preview on Wednesdays, and then the recap of everything else that is not football on Fridays. So welcome to everything that is not football on Fridays. So basically what we're going to go, just from top to bottom, we're going to start with soccer and then cover a little bit of volleyball, and then of course the wacky segment of the week. But before all of that, not sure if you know, but we actually, on our official Aggieville Alicat merch store, we have a sale going on, a $5 off sale if you use the code KOFFACATS, all capital, one word. That is K-O-F-F-A-C-A-T-S on AggievilleAlleyCats.Creator-Spring.com, where you can find such designs as the Jerome Tang and Jareem Dowling approved t-shirt doom tang clan play sandstorm cowards neon alley cats alongside a myriad of other designs you can order all of these and get five dollars off your purchase again that is aggieville-alleycats.creator-spring.com and use code k off a cats that's k-o-f-f-a-c-a-t-s to get five dollars off your order and like we said Doom Tang Clan is verifiably, you know, Jerome Tang and Jareem Dowling approved. So you kind of have to get one. It was good enough for Jareem's story, which I think that means it's good enough for anybody. Yeah, and, and so. Jerome Jerome Tang said he thought he found the the name of the student section with that shirt. So Well, there you go. More but, reason than ever to get yourself a Doom Tang Clan shirt or a Neon Alley Cats hoodie, which is my personal favorite item that we've had so far. Absolutely. And if you do end up ordering something, please be sure to tag us on Twitter so we can give you a retweet and a follow. But let's move in to the actual news of the week, starting off with women's soccer. There are two games that we have to talk about because we accidentally kind of sort of covered University of Texas Rio Grande Valley on last week's episode with Ethan Brown. Go listen to that if you haven't. But that was a victory and unfortunately for this episode, we are opening with a 1-2 to loss versus the University of Texas San Antonio, which, fun fact, the assistant referee for this game was named Josh Allen. Not the Jaguars' Josh Allen, not the Buffalo Bills' Josh Allen, just Josh Allen. Josh Allen. <laughs> the third Josh Allen, the mystery Josh Allen, if you will. <laughs> yeah, but this game took place down in San Antonio. And unfortunately, like I said before, it it was a loss. We can kind of I'll I'll take the the scoring summary if you want to take the team stats if that's all right. Good by me. The the first score was by UTSA. The Roadrunners struck first by Kieran Singh, which was a goal at the sixth minute. Then K-State nodded it up in the 57th minute with 48 seconds worth 48 seconds into it with Kyler Goins scoring with an assist by Kaylee Thornhill. And then the UTSA would stay ahead and pull ahead by Saja Dade, who ended up scoring in the 87th minute to cap off the scoring for the day and unfortunately handing the Wildcats another tough loss late in the game. Yeah, uh, that's what stings here is you could have at least shared points here. I mean, ideally against UTSA, 
uh, non-power five. Again, I don't know how great they are. My women's soccer knowledge is pretty limited, but you're you're still hoping you can come away with uh, a victory there. But even then, like getting points is good, but giving up uh, the loss late in the match, that's what really hurts there. So uh, it's another match where it feels like we've dropped points, um, like Northern Colorado, where we kind of fell apart late in that one. I wasn't able to watch this, but I'd imagined it was probably a fairly similar outcome, honestly. Um, but yeah, uh, another tough uh, result for the soccer cats. Um, I'll go ahead and get into stats now. Uh, K-State was um, outshot pretty heavily in the first half, seven shots to just two for K-State. Um, and the second half, it was a bit more even, eight shots for UTSA, six for K-State. All in all in the game, that made it 15 uh, shots for UTSA, five on target. And then for K-State, they had eight shots, but only one of them was on target, and that was a goal. Uh, three saves for K-State. Um, K-State had four corner kicks to UTSA's two. They were pretty even in fouls, 15 for K-State, 13 for UTSA. And then a few uh, yellow cards were issued, two to K-State players, and then one uh, to a UTSA player fairly late in the match. But again, uh, another painful loss. This is a team that they really need to turn the corner sooner rather than later. Um, because it's going to be a very, very, very difficult road through the Big 12 uh, if they're going to be, if they're not going to be able to hold a one goal lead in the final 10 minutes. Uh, because uh, K State's not finished higher than ninth. So last place in their entire existence. So they're going to have to find a way to string some wins together. Yeah. It is worth noting that UTSA is with this game 3 0 1. So yeah. they're not awful but no. still this is this is really a game that you would want to win yeah exactly right i mean obviously you 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 don't pick a game that you want to lose but still it'd be nice to get a little bit of momentum but you have anything else to say about that before we move on to the the next game um i don't think so um i'm looking through tsa's like past records um, they went 10-5 and 4 last year, but didn't make the NCAA tournament. Um, but further back than that, um I mean, in just a couple of years, they're an okay team, pretty much it seems like, uh, for for their level of competition. So this should have been a winnable game uh for K-State in theory, at least. But again, they kind of let the point slip away here at the end again, which is, is frustrating because there are exciting pieces. Um on this team. Um, but it, it just hasn't quite come together yet. Jasmine Brown, the true freshman defender, uh, I felt like she played really well in the uh, bit of action I've been able to watch. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it needs from here. Um, but yeah, a frustrating road loss. Yeah. Luckily, K-State got on back on track versus Weber State. It was a one-to-nil victory in favor of your Kansas State Wildcats. And the lone goal was scored by Melissa Weichel in the 43rd minute of the game. That would be all of the scoring that was done for the duration of this game. It's worth noting that K-State went into this game 1-2-1. and Weber State went in 0-3-0. So K-State moves to 2-2-1. Weber State moves to 0-4. Yeah. 
Um, so Weber State, not a great team. And that does kind of reflect itself in the uh, statistics. But then again, this game is probably a little bit closer than it should have been. K-State uh, does not. They have a much better second half than they did first half. First half, they get three shots to five from Weber State, but they dominate the second half, at least offensively. Ten shots to just two for Weber State, putting them at 13 shots in the game. Four on target, seven for Weber State, two on target. Uh, saves are about equal. I mean, it's just shots that were on target that didn't go in. And then corner kicks, K-State at six. Weber State at three. Clear that we got more aggressive. In the second half, when you have five corner kicks, you're just one in the second half for Weber State. Um, and then uh, fouls were even throughout the game, 12 each. Um, a couple of yellow cards for Weber State. But yeah, it's a little concerning. Um, only a 1-0 margin. But then again, that doesn't always tell the whole story. Uh, clearly, the second half was better here for K-State. They clearly came out with a better strategy in the second half, at least offensively. Um, and then defensively as well, they uh, limited Weber State's uh, shot attempts. They limited their corner kick um, att- attempts as well. Uh, and in case they uh, seriously increased both of those statistics, they had more shots and they had more corner kicks in the second half than they did in the first. So they figured something out in the second half. But this is the sort of game where you'd really like to see them uh, get a complete game in. But uh, unfortunately, they uh, they did not. But they still win. They still take the points, so I won't be uh, too negative uh, about that. But it was, um, yeah, goal for uh, Maddie Weichel. Uh, despite uh, being here or having a pretty good season last year, I think that was her first on the year because um, she's uh, been moved around a little bit, it seems like. Um, but, and then also I did see on the uh, K-State soccer Twitter that the goal that she scored was the 100th goal in program history. So uh, cool. Save uh, the fact. ball, I guess. Yeah, keep the ball, sign it. I'm, I'm not really sure what you do in that circumstance, but um, yeah. Uh, don't really have much else to add um, on this game other than uh, a win is a win. Uh Puts the uh, team back at two, two, and one. Uh, worse places to be than that, I suppose. But uh, we'll, we'll get a true test of uh, where they're at here in the, the coming weeks, I think. Yeah. In fact, the next game is against Purdue in Manhattan on Sunday. I'm not particularly optimistic. <laughs> yeah. I am not super optimistic either about this Um, just because based on how we performed against Northwestern, uh, which was not great at all. um, And Purdue is allegedly a better team. Um, So I'm not getting my hopes up. This is the sort of game where I think you want to keep it competitive um, if possible. Granted, they are two and three on the year. But get a mixed bag of results. They started the year with a three nil win over number fifteen ranked USC, but they also just lost to KU tonight, zero to one. So, um, don't really know what you're getting with this Purdue team. Again, it's it's still pretty early in the year, but they were projected to finish middle of the pack in the Big Ten. So this is going to be a quality side that uh, we'll be seeing uh, on Sunday afternoon, but. Um, I don't know. I, I guess if you're still in town after the uh, football game, uh, the day after, doesn't it hurt to the swing other football. 
yeah, go watch the other football. Uh, yeah, it's a relaxing way to spend a Sunday afternoon. Uh, they just installed a new video board. Fan experience is pretty good, honestly, for soccer. I say. Yeah, so. I think there's a I think there's a special with this game. It is the oh yeah, it's a Sunday four for forty. So go ahead, bring your friends, get four tickets, ten bucks each. Have a grand old time at Boozer Family Park. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. All right. Moving on from the soccer cats, we can talk about the volley cats. And this is a lot of good news for the volley cats after a after having a bit of a sweaty against Wayne State. In a uh, in an exhibition matchup, K-State has rattled off four consecutive victories to open up their regular season. Starting off with the first one, which was against Sam Houston State in the K-State Invitational. All three of the first wins were from the K-State Invitational, in which K-State beat Sam Houston three sets to none by twenty by a margin of 25 to 14 in the first set, 25 to 22 in the second, and then 25 to 14 in the third again. So other than that second set, an absolutely dominating performance by the Volley Cats. Yeah. Um you you saw that up perfectly. This was pretty much a dominant performance across the board. Um I mean we can run down the stats and see that basically everybody was hitting really efficiently for this game as well. Um, obviously you start with Aaliyah Carter, uh, the beginning and the end, uh, for the success of the, uh, volley cats, 32 attack attempts, 12 kills, only two errors. So a lot more efficient, um, and this match than she had been in times last year, hitting 313 uh, for hitting percentage, nine digs, uh, responsible for 13 points. So best on the team there. But then again, we also have to keep our eyes on, uh, the player playing opposite side of court of, um, as her, uh, Elena Baca who is a transfer in from St. Mary's, I'm pretty sure. I think it's St. Um, Mary's. And don't Let shoot me the messenger check. if I'm wrong on that. But uh, she also hit really well. St. Mary's, higher, you're right. Uh, at a higher percent, no, it's okay. Uh, uh, a higher percentage than Aaliyah Carter. 24 attempts, 10 kills, only two errors again, hitting 333. Really, really good average there. Um, and then two service aces, two errors, a lot of service errors. Uh, for this Volley Cat squad early on, uh, eight errors in this match, at least. Um, Sydney Bolding, again, had a very uh, efficient um, day attacking, 12 attack attempts, six kills, zero errors. And Haley Warner, 11 attack attempts, seven kills, three errors, hitting 364 there. Um, not much else to mention other than that. Mackenzie Morris had 14 digs, so nice performance at the Libero position i'm still learning volleyball yeah, um, I, I know i know libero is the one that wears the uh the, the different shirt. colored shirt yeah. yeah so um yeah all around really 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 nice performance uh from the volley cats uh in this game so uh not not much to uh complain about or write home everybody really performed well you go up and down the stat sheet there's really no one that you can look at and point out as having had a bad match, I think. So, I mean, the most errors on the team would have been three, and that would have been for Haley Warner, and she still had seven kills and 11 attack attempts. So, yeah, really, really nice performance. Always love starting out your regular season with the sweep. Yep. And the next game in the K-State Invitational was a 3-1 to victory against North Carolina State home or former home of current K-State president Richard Linton. 
And NC State took the first set 27 to 25, and then K State routed off three consecutive set victories 25 to 14, 25 to 17, and then 25 to 18. So a little less dominating each and every set, but still really great for you know fellow Power Five competition. And yeah, that's really for the for the overview, that's really all that can be said in terms of scoring. But individual stats, there are actually a few things that are Pretty interesting to note, actually, mostly that Aaliyah Carter did not lead in kills. Yeah. And then another thing that I do want to mention, actually, about the scoring is that uh, this really could have been a sweep um, for K-State. If you go back and look at the first set play-by-play, at one point they were up 19 to 13 in this match and also 20 to 15. And then North uh, NC State, I should say, they went on a run to take the lead. And so K-State probably should have swept this match, honestly, but they kind of let the first set get away from them. But then they took that personally and they uh, took NC State out uh, the rest of the time. Um, But yeah, you go through the stat sheet and yeah, like you said, Leah Carter did not lead in kills. She was not even second in kills. It was Sydney Bolding who had 26 attack attempts, 13 kills, not a single error. So high, high efficiency for Sydney Bolding. Um, then Elena Baca, 36 attack, attack attempts, uh, 12 kills, and then just one error. And Leah Carter had 45 attack attempts, 11 kills, seven errors. Uh, then also three service errors. So not the best day for Leah Carter. But the difference from last year is that we had people on the offensive side that could pick up the slack there with Elena Baca. And then also Sydney Bolding, who had an incredibly efficient offensive day. And then Haley Warner, 15 attack attempts, six kills, three errors. Again, another day where a lot of service errors, 15 to uh, 15 errors to do 10 aces on serves, which is a little concerning. And then again, Mackenzie Morris uh, with 18 digs. Really nice day uh, for her. Um, but yeah, then also not a lot of rotation uh, on this team. You look through the uh, um, players that saw the floor and only eight actually made it onto the court for K-State in this game, as opposed to NC State, who it looks like had about a dozen so keeping a pretty uh, short rotation here, because then again, the roster is pretty thin for K-State this year. They're at, I think, maybe 14-ish when you're allowed to have up to 20. So a uh, pretty thin roster for K-State this year, but also uh, talent heavy. So as long as they can stay free of injuries, uh, this could be a pretty talented squad. Yeah. Also, one thing before we go, I just want to point out the blocking discrepancy. There were 17 blocks for K-State as opposed to four from NC State. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, all, that's all I have to say. That's all I can say on that. That's just <laughs> that's just funny. <laughs> no, that, that is really funny. Um, I, I also have nothing to add because you really just can't do anything with that other than just like say that it exists. And it's incredibly impressive. So, yeah. So the next game was up against Florida A&M, and this moved K-State to 3-0, which also happened to be the score of this match. 3-0 in favor of K-State. It was 25-14, 25-13, and 25-16. So again, an absolutely dominant performance in favor of the Volleycats. And although it's not the same block discrepancy, there was still 9 compared to 3 in favor of K-State. And there's no real statistical perspective that you can take a look at this game that K-State was not dominant in. Yeah, that is true. Um, going individual, um, you you look at uh, who's leading on the attack, 
And it was a name that was unexpected. And uh, Shaylee Myers, uh, who had 31 attack attempts, 18 kills to two errors. Somebody who had not even been in the lineup the last two matches and ends up with a 516 hitting percentage on 31 attempts, which is absolutely phenomenal. A freshman outside hitter from Lincoln um, just coming in and absolutely destroying the competition. Uh, Aaliyah Carter actually only plays one uh, set here. She gets four attack attempts, two kills, and then she takes a seat for the rest of the time because K-State was controlling this match the whole way. And uh, no reason to play her throughout. But you look uh, through the rest of the, uh, the lineup, uh, Haley Warner, 13 attack attempts, seven kills, three errors. Uh, Elena Baca, not her greatest day, 16 attack attempts, four kills, three errors. Katie Fernholz, uh, nine attack attempts, seven kills, hitting 778. Granted, a smaller sample size, but that is absolutely incredible numbers. Um, yeah, then Shaley Myers leading the way there uh, in the attack column, uh, 22 and a half points. Pretty phenomenal showing uh, for the freshman. Mackenzie Morris, 14 digs. Uh, yet another really nice game. Uh, Ava LeGrand, uh, the freshman, uh, high, former high school All-American true freshman. Uh, 31 assists, I believe, is what A stands for. Yeah, assists. Yeah. Uh, so really, really good uh, numbers there. Uh, she, had, um, she had more than 25, more than anybody else had on the entire team. So a really great performance. Looks like this match, K-State took the opportunity to empty the end of the bench and uh, get more talent on the floor and get some more uh, development for some of the younger players, uh, which I, I like because this was a, a match that was pretty clearly in K-State's favor uh, the entire time. So I'm sure Susie Fritz looked at it and said, there's really no reason to risk injury to uh, the starters here. So let's get some younger players, some experience. And then you see someone like Shaley Myers come out of absolutely nowhere and um, have a crazy efficient day. So yeah. maybe 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 we'll be seeing more of her now uh, after this excellent excellent performance. Maybe this is her breakout game. I would allow it. I would as well. Now the final match that we're going to be talking about was a three to one victory in favor of Kansas State up against Syracuse, who entered this match two and one with no conference play being played yet. It's moved K-State to 4-0 on the year. In terms of scoring, it was 25-23 in the first set, favor of K-State. 25-18, favor of K-State. And in the third set, 25-22 in favor of Syracuse. And then in the fourth and final set, 25-21 in favor of K-State. And fun fact, the building that this was played at is literally just called The Venue at UCF. That is like such a modern name for a locale. I feel like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I I, don't, I feel like I feel like naming conventions have gotten like even naming conventions have gotten minimalist recently. Like yeah. I, I guess that's like a boomer take of me. But like, <laughs> but no, that, it, there's a difference between having a boomer take and then just making observations. Yeah, I suppose that is true. Because I mean, <laughs> the venue for what? <laughs> the venue at UCF. I can I only imagine they also use it for women's basketball. I would imagine uh, they might use it for men's too. I mean, I'd imagine a uh, place basically anywhere that's not a power five. Uh, you're probably looking to get at least three sports out of your main arena. So, but then again, what do I know? But 
Well, they're soon yeah. to be power five. So that's true. They are going to be power five very, very soon. But um, yeah, this was a really great performance for K-State. A lot of uh, individual standouts. Unfortunately, we did not see more Shaley Myers in this match. Uh, we built all that up in the previous <laughs> segment. Just to, to, just to, yeah, yeah, it was a diversionary tactic is uh, how we'll describe that. But Aaliyah Carter had an excellent day. Uh, 41 attack attempts, 20 kills, 5 errors. Um, and then 4 aces to 3 errors. 24.5 points for Aaliyah Carter in this match. Um, and then add in 7 digs. Uh, Elena Baca also had a really nice day. 37 attack attempts, 17 kills, 6 errors, hitting just under 300 for 21 points. And beyond that, Sydney Bolding had a nice day. 21 attack attempts, 6 kills, 2 errors. And then other than that, everybody kind of mixed in here and there. Um, 44 assists for Lauren Hinkle. Um, and then 17 digs for Mackenzie Moore. So we're seeing a lot more of the main rotation um, in this game. Um, and then also another notable fact here is that set or sorry, service errors were um, significantly cut down uh, here because the first few matches, K-State's uh, service errors were outnumbering their service aces, sometimes by a wide margin. Here, K-State more than doubles their service aces to service errors. Fair to say what they focused on in practice this week, I would say uh, yeah. 11 service aces to just five errors. Three of those errors coming from Leah Carter before those aces coming from Leah Carter. So all in all, you're, you're going to take a, a victory against a power five any day, building that tournament resume, getting out of conference of uh, power five wins is nice and looking impressive while doing it helps as well. Cause Leah Carter had an absolutely dominant performance in this game. I mean, 41 attack attempts and 20 kills, so just five errors, pretty, pretty good for Leah Carter, who's building one of the better volleyball careers that anybody at K-State has ever had given how she's pretty much been this good since she's gotten here. Yeah. <laughs> but now she has the supporting cast developed around her to truly grow and become that special player that I think people have been waiting on. And I mean, there, there's no reason that at some point she couldn't become the Ayoka Lee of volleyball, basically where she's, she's the person that's getting players in the door. I'm not saying she's going to be like as special as Aoka Lee. That's not what I'm insinuating, but I'm yeah. saying she's the act that gets spectators in the door. Um, kind of like Aoka Lee with basketball, where, I mean, this past season, Aoka uh, Lee uh, was the draw most of the time for the women's basketball team. Unfortunately, not the case this year, um, but yeah, yeah uh, an absolute shame, but maybe Aaliyah Carter can draw more people in as well as next year when they have their own facility allegedly it will be open allegedly. next year we shall yeah. see yeah i forgot to mention that this was actually part of a three-game tournament which is the ucf challenge it seems like whenever they run out of names they just call things challenges so the other two games or matches sorry in the challenge are up against north florida on friday and ucf itself on saturday so that pretty much wraps up the volley cats and you know, we, we didn't really get a chance to talk about them at all, mostly because we don't pretend to really know what we're talking about with volleyball. But starting off undefeated, I don't feel like there's a world where that can be viewed as a bad or even a neutral thing. I think starting off undefeated, no matter who your schedule has been, even though it does include two power fives, I think that's awesome. Starting off 4-0. and Yeah, no doubt, because especially because I think there was a lot of doubt kind of surrounding 
after, at least for you and I, after they uh, seemingly really struggled in their uh, uh, exhibition match. Um, but they end up uh, figuring things out uh, seemingly. But yeah, they, they do have uh, some more power fives coming up as well on the schedule. We already mentioned UCF. I'll count them as power five just for our purposes. But they also have Missouri. It fits um, my narrative. Yeah, it fits my narrative. So I'm going to say UCF. Um, then Mizzou, they have Mizzou, uh, coming up, uh, they're coming to Manhattan, um, uh, the Wednesday before the Mizzou football game. Um, and then they head to uh, Chicago to play in a Loyola Chicago tournament and they're going to play Rutgers there. And then they get through some more, like group of five mid-major schools, um, before getting into conference play. And they start with KU at home towards the end of September, but it's a, uh, a uh, fun out of conference slate. It's probably not as grueling as it was last year. Cause I remember they had like number five, Nebraska really early yep. in the slate last year. They played them pretty well. Yeah. They played them close, but still lost. Yes. But yeah. Um, really nice start to the year for volleyball. Better start than I anticipated. This is the sort of out of conference that you're going to have to win about every game that you're playing really. Um, just because, now, like we said, the the competition isn't quite as great as it was last year out of conference. I think that is ultimately why they made the NCAA tournament last year is because their RPI was really high because the Big 12 was really good and their out of conference schedule was, was also really, really good. good. Yeah. But none of the power fives that they've played yet have been phenomenal opponents. Mizzou is currently one and two. Uh, the other schools were kind of hovering around 500 as well. Um so they're not adding a ton there, but uh, Rutgers, they'll be playing them soon. They are 3-0 and against fairly limited competition. I mean, this will all shake itself out by year end, but um, just, I don't know. I'm going to be keeping my eye on how they're performing uh, down the stretch. Yeah, I agree. So that pretty much wraps up the recap segment. And before we get to the wacky segment of the week, Remember, we do have the $5 off sale on the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store using code KOFFACATS, K-O-F-F-A-C-A-T-S on aggievillealleycats.creator-spring.com. So go ahead and grab yourself designs from t-shirts, stickers, hoodies. We wanted coasters, but they don't have them. <laughs> to crewnecks, if you are a crewneck cat kind of guy, such as our good friend Nathan and Sarah, shout out crewneck cats go check him out he does great stuff you know he's on vacation in italy right now so <laughs> but now we can get into the wacky segment of the week and this is one of those where we're going to have to separate it into wacky news and wacky question now the wacky news isn't necessarily wacky news it's just the backyard brawl just happened it was insane <laughs> that's all i can say I, that was so much fun. And every year I know how much I miss college football. And then I like will watch one of the early games. And then it really just finally manifests itself. Like, like, like how much I really, really did miss college football. Like, like it, it feels like all these early games have been at least entertaining in some fashion. Hmm. Like that Nebraska Northwestern game provided all sorts of entertainment because it was a novelty game because it was in Ireland. There was a comeback. Scott Frost got embarrassed. Nebraska Cup lost snake. another close game. All sorts of like fun narratives there. Cup snake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then 
yeah, Backyard Brawl was incredible. A uh, great, great game uh, back and forth the whole way. Uh, a l- long historic rivalry. Uh, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. I think I had it on my bucket list for Bosco's Boys. Um, or we, I think we did our own Bosco or our own. Uh, yeah, we, we did our own list. like college football road trip. Yeah. And I think I had them as my my week one. I think you and I agreed on that. Yeah, which we would have we would have made a great choice because that game was absolutely phenomenal. And I and then there was also several other interesting games on like Oklahoma State somehow getting into like an almost shootout with Central Michigan where like, I mean, Oklahoma State led that game by like 35 at one point ended up being like a two touchdown game by the end. And Central Michigan nearly uh got an onside kick late they got the ball back too and they almost got a first down on what should have been a defensive pass interference on oklahoma state um i haven't uh kept up with it because we've been recording but last check the penn state purdue game uh, uh purdue got a big pick six to take the lead with like eight minutes to go it's almost certainly over i can check the score it's got to be over by this point but again that was another really entertaining game gosh johnson penn state the won. call penn state won 35 31 that's a shame. Case man fuming right now. Uh, uh, could happen to anybody, truly. But I don't know. A really entertaining night. I'm really happy that college football is back because it, it, it makes me even more excited for uh, K State football being back as well. As I I cannot wait uh, to be there for the first game, which is uh, if not already, it basically is a sellout at this yeah, point. Because I think the only seats that aren't sold out are East Club. Yeah, I went um, East Club. I went and uh, checked on the uh, ticketing website for K-State and at least from them, the primary vendor, um, they said all that's left is East Club, uh, scattered singles and standing room. And which is really encouraging to hear that numbers are going back up. Uh, There's been rumblings that uh, student ticket sales are much higher than they've been the last few years, which is also really encouraging because I don't think anybody expected that. No. And I certainly did not. Um, I I really wish I was still at K-State undergrad this year because this is going to be a really fun year to be on campus, I think, because there's going to be a lot of excitement around the teams uh, and the universities looking up to. Uh, so I, I relish this year. Ace is my advice to you, I suppose. Uh, enjoy it and soak it in. I will be back as much as possible because I thoroughly enjoy Manhattan. I'm going to be there Saturday. I cannot wait. But yeah, I, I we got there somehow from Backyard Brawl. But it was super, super fun game. Uh, also, uh, West Virginia's O-line's really, really bad. Yeah, they're really <laughs> bad. There's but... no reason we shouldn't sack uh jt daniels like six it, times. It, let's be honest jt daniels is not going to be healthy by that game we're not going to say Garrett true. green that many <laughs> <laughs> that's true but the the main thing that i wanted to say here is don't let the fact that the final pass was a drop don't let that distract you that Pitt was playing press man cover one on a fourth and 16 <laughs> that was a green bay packers a, a NFC championship game moment really <laughs> it's a greg williams cover zero blitz when yeah. all you need to play is prevent. Yeah, yeah that that was the ultimate like yeah Packers late coverage moment. Like, why are you running cover one in that situation? Like, yeah, it was a drop, but great great throw 
by JT Daniels. And the fact that he was able to get it there and the fact that the receiver nearly made the catch was incredible. Cause I mean, there's, there's no reason that should have been even that close. Like they should, like, like, like there's no reason for that, but it was super fun game to watch. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was nice to, uh, to get a night to really watch some college football again. Yeah. So that that's the news part of this, but the question segment is actually it's it's an interesting one. If you could pick one K-State all-time corner to match a K-State all-time receiver in coverage, who are the two you're picking and who wins the most out of 10 reps? So who wins the majority of the reps, whether it be six to four, seven to three, or if they tie? Um, for me, I, I think the matchup that most K-State fans would want to see is Terrence Newman and Tyler Lockett. And I, I don't know if I took your answer with that, but I no, think I did. didn't. I did not. Oh, great. But, I, I'm going for a weirder one. Okay, excellent. Um, I Because I just went for the big name one, but... Cause I was sitting there like, like who's, who's like probably the best corner of all time for K-State. Who's probably the best receiver of all time for K-State. I came to those two and I was like, all right, match them up and see what happens. And who wins the most reps? The answer is I really have no idea, but I'm going to have to make a guess. I'm going to say that Newman wins six of 10, but I could, I, the only reason I'm doing that is because I didn't want to do a push where they both get five. I felt like that would have been like chickening out. I don't but think I truly, like they. I don't think they would accept that either. I feel like they would no. go until like they, they would them probably won. they would yeah they would do tiebreakers probably. But I, I I truly feel like that would be like an almost fifty fifty matchup because Lockett was known for his ability to shake off man coverage uh, against elite man cover corners uh, with ease. And Newman was just a phenomenal cover corner in every aspect. It was incredibly fast and athletic. So he was a really good matchup for Lockett, even though he was undersized. It's not like Lockett's very big either. So size is not a very uh, big advantage for either of them there either. So um, I I think that'd be fascinating to watch. Yeah, I'm actually going to go in a somewhat different direction. It's going to be the battle of number twos who would be number ones on any other team. And that's going to be Echo Boido against Curry Sexton. <laughs> that is an interesting matchup. And I, I think uh, you go ahead. It, I don't know why it, I'm taking years. <laughs> I, I I know the obvious one was Terrence Newman, Tyler Lockett. And I feel like a sleeper would have been Terrence Newman, Jordy Nelson, or maybe Julius and Jordy. But I, I ended up going with Echo and Curry predominantly because of that theme that they both just kind of got relegated to being the second one on the depth chart, despite the fact that on, I think just about any other team, they probably would have been solid number ones. That being said, Echo probably wins seven to three here, but that's just because I think Echo is ridiculous. You see, I I agree. And I'd honestly go further. I think Echo goes eight two there because there's a lot of debate on how good Curry Sexton was because there's great arguments for both. Um, it, it's like the Daniel Sam's Jake Waters argument, but there's actual substance. And <laughs> like the thing with Curry Sexton is that, yeah, he was a 1,000 yard receiver, and you can't be a 1,000 yard receiver without being at least somewhat good. And he was good, he was athletic, he made some really athletic catches. Uh, he was a great route runner. Um, and all in all, was, was a good receiver. 
But on the other hand, Tyler Lockett was on the other side of the field. And Tyler Lockett was one of, if not the best receivers in college football the year that he was a se- in his senior year. He was absolutely dominant. Nobody could stop him. If he wanted 200 yards, he would get 200 yards. And Curry Sexton was a beneficiary, whether he liked it or not, of the fact that defenses were bracketing Tyler Lockett to no avail. And Curry Sexton found himself with some advantageous coverage situations, to put it lightly, more than once because of that. And that, that's, again, not saying Curry Sexton's bad at all, because I think he was a good receiver. I think he gets underrated because of that. But I think it's a worthwhile factor to consider that there, 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 there was more at play than Curry Sexton being good. A lot of his success may or may not have stemmed from Tyler Lockett existing at the same time that he did. So but I that that's why I, that's my logic for Echo there. But at the same time, if, if you assume it's like is this like one on ones? Is this it's one like, on one? One on ones that not well, it's Echo like ten out of ten times. <laughs> like like, like assuming we're going out one on ones, Echo's not playing zone in a one on one. So <laughs> until I see Echo lose a man coverage rep legitimately, then I'm just gonna not assume like on like a pick route or anything around a trick play. Yeah, or anything like that. So uh, until I see him lose a man coverage rep, I'm gonna assume he's incapable of it. So <laughs> it's impossible. Can't happen. Mm-hmm. But yeah. That pretty much wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alleycast podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to contact the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Aggieville ACATS. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C and CATS. If you want to email us, we're AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00. I am at Connor Bouts, or capital C, capital B. And if you're looking to support the show financially, like we've mentioned before, you have the perfect opportunity to do so by going to the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, which is linked in our Spotify bio as well as our Twitter bio, and using the code, discount code, KOFFACATS, that's K-O-F-F-A-C-A-T-S on aggieville-alleycats.creator-spring.com. So you can go ahead and buy such designs as Doom Tank Clan, Neon Alley Cats, and Play Sandstorm Cowards. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats. <laughs>